0: Welcome to Hearts and Minds. My name is Catherine McMahon and I'm here with Maura Cassidy. Today we're talking about trying not to be perfect, basically. That's it. Or just if you feel like you need to be perfect, you don't have to be.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think, yes, I think so. Um, I, as always, I think it's good to zoom out the lens on these things um, because it's instead of thinking about am I a perfectionist or am I not a perfectionist because I think that's the challenge, because we live in a world where perfectionism is one of the biggest challenges actually of the 21st century, um, we're influenced by that. So we sometimes tend to confuse what's God's will um, with being perfect, and, and that ends up being very dangerous. Well, dangerous is probably a strong word to use, but it ends up being a bit of a rigid and unattainable and exhausting thing mm. if we think that God's will is the same as being perfect, because it's not. Um, because doing God's will, hopefully, is something joyful, Messy at times, potentially uncomfortable, but loving. Whereas I think perfectionism tends to sap the joy out of things. And um, I think God's will, because we're talking about in that context, I think it, it does it in a particular way. Okay. So uh, maybe a good, good way to start at this really is on the one hand to think of, well, what is the other op- alternative? And I think what perfectionism prevents is magic moments. In our lives. And, and so I'd encourage, I think this is helpful myself, but I'd encourage our listeners maybe to think of a moment when they had a magic moment. You know, it could be in the family, it could be in their workplace with friends, um, and something just came together. You know, they put in the work for something, they took a risk, and something new came came about that could have just as easily failed. So there was a kind of a a sense of succeeding beyond all expectations, but at the same time there was a moment of tension and ooh, if this doesn't work, um, that made the joy all the more impressive. Um, it can be a big, you know, project at work or something like that. And um, and I think the the, the the beautiful thing about those moments, which I'm sure people have had, is that um, if we didn't take the risk, they'd never have happened. And I do think in our spiritual life, there are magic moments, mm. you know, where we, we sort of take the risk and we step into a space we haven't been before um, and and something beautiful happens. We get an understanding on something, we get a grace to see something or just an aha moment. And And I do think with God, that he does take a lot of those risks with human beings. Um, and the thing about it is we as human beings could just as easily say no as to say yes. Um, and we're certainly not up to the task. You know, you think about it, you know, marriage is a big risk in some respects, it is. But you, you take it willingly and lovingly and you go for it or whatever, you know, any sort of big decision like that. Um,
0: Can I roll back here a little bit on this whole thing of perfectionism? Because... Hmm. Like I think everybody would congratulate the idea of taking a risk. Like we'd all like to, mm-hmm. you know, experience risk that comes out in a positive sense, yeah. not in a negative sense. But with perfectionism, are you saying that it's kind of, um, when you're a perfectionist, of which I think pretty much a lot of us are, you know, to a mm, greater degree. or lesser yeah, degree, okay? agreed, yeah. um, you end up kind of clamping down on making sure that you have all your ducks lined up and you make sure everything is in order and you have nailed your outcome to the hilt.
1: Yeah. And you
0: don't want anything... In the way of that?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, um, like, if you were to, like, perfectionism has been sort of defined as where you base your self worth on achieving high goals, and those goals aren't necessarily objective. They can be quite arbitrary. Um, in other words, you evaluate yourself on achieving certain outcomes. So you, okay. and all the time it's ticking those outcomes as being achieved. It's a sort of a control thing in some respects. Um, it can al- it's also it, where imperfection is a threat. And so certain behaviors um, are, you know, you root them in yourself to avoid failure, do anything to prevent failures or imperfections.
0: Or imperfections in other people, maybe? In other
1: people too. So um, that does, of course, prevent any sort of risk or magic moments or leaning into something that's messy or a new experience in some respects. You know, obviously certain new experiences are charming and lovely and they're not that risky. So I'm not talking about that here. Um, but I think sometimes when you look at... Um, so, what does perfectionism look like? Really, it's it's one of this maybe like kind of four basic characteristics, and one is overdoing the preparation. You know, and of course, preparation is important, but if it becomes all about the preparation, then it's it's um, it's it's of step you can be stepping into the realm of perfectionism. So, for example, you know it could be something at work. Somebody asks you to have a presentation, you know, um, done for something, and you, you think you just don't have time for it, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, you might be right, but maybe this instead of st- zooming at the lens and going, "Well, actually, this um, prep- this presentation is a wonderful opportunity of self advocacy for me," you know, I read mean, this would be great, or you know what, if my boss probably thinks I can do it, so let's just do this or whatever. So you see it in a different way.
0: Mm.
1: And I think that's really, really important that instead of exaggerating the preparation, um, you, you think, ask yourself, well, what? see the opportunity there. And um, and typically, I think a good way of spotting it in ourselves, you know, sometimes in the bigger choices, we kind of clamp down. But if to sort of enable ourselves to spot the opportunities, it can be good to reflect on, when are moments in my life when I typically overdo the preparation? You know, typically it could be work life balance. You know, sometimes, you know, it can be oh, spending too much time in the office sometimes because it's easier to, you know, to tick the box, to measure your outcomes. It's, in that sense, it's more pleasurable and maybe home is a bit messy you know. So, um, or the other way around, you know, less time in the office because they're always asking for more as opposed to kind of negotiating that space. So it's that kind of thing of where we try to, we kind of, we tend to try to avoid as many unpredictable things as we can in our life. And, Mm. And in terms of the spiritual life, how that could look like, it could be you know, avoiding the unpredictable encounters with God's grace. You know, somebody as you mentioned earlier, who maybe somebody you find more challenging. You know, and we avoid them as opposed to thinking, well, this is an opportunity for me to grow in patience, or maybe I don't know that person well enough.
0: Yeah, I think a a, a lot has to do. And when we think of perfectionism, it's it, it's not so much. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but it's not so much this idea of, you know, the perfect outcome, or, or it's more the the sense of fear. Mm. It's mm. really built on fear that mm-hmm. you, you're 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 afraid of experiencing mm. the feeling of fear mm. of, you know, and therefore you you try to kind of, I'm, I'm even thinking of this idea of, you know, not even with the big things, but even like you're drafting an email and you're looking over it and over it and over it again until it's absolutely perfect before you send it out. Mm. that Those kind of small little things mm-hmm. can be very perfectionist sort of mm. traits or yeah. always having your GPS on mm-hmm. for, you know, to mm. make sure that you don't kind of, enter into traffic, you know. Mm. Yeah, just a little bit. Um,
1: yeah, it's, it's kind of the obsession with detail in some ways, where
0: that detail means you're losing sight of the big picture. And mm. and maybe, you know... Um, and then when you encounter traffic or you encounter a bad email that comes through or whatever like that, um, you know, the, the reaction can be disproportionate. And I think that can be the flip side of perfectionism as well, is the your reaction to things that don't go well yes. is a sign of... Yeah, maybe that you are a perfectionist. Because I think people think, oh, I'm not a perfectionist at all, you know what I mean? Because I don't have everything perfect or I'm not high standards. But it can also be that the reaction you have when yes. things don't go well for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, because again, it's the same thing. You kind of read something into that that's not there or you... You know, you don't leave much, you know, sort of leeway for human sort of error or just misinterpretation. But um, I think it's it's you know avoiding not wanting any gaps, so there's no mistake. So as you say, that obsession with detail, or the biggest category can be the thing of reassurance in reality, and that's you know when someone wants out perfect outcomes all the time, so they can and look for reassurance. So, you know, it could be looking for reassurance from your boss, you know, thinking, did I do that well? And they're, you know, maybe it's not the male thing, maybe to look for so much reassurance or to give it. But it's just that awareness that, um, you know, and if we don't get it, there's something wrong with the relationships in my life. You know, I don't you know, maybe your husband or maybe it's a friend or maybe it's a sibling or whatever it is that you think they're just not there for me as much as I need them. Well, and that could be the case objectively, but it could also be the case that maybe you look for too much reassurance. And mm-hmm. um, and to, to ask the question, why am I looking for so much reassurance in this? You know, um and you can, you can learn an awful lot from sports people in that regard, you know, because they tend to, a friend of mine recommended a book, it's called The Inner Game of Tennis. And it's really interesting because some of the best tennis players, they play their game knowing what type of game they want, where they want to put the ball, as opposed to avoiding the negatives in their game, you know. And I think that's a helpful one for us to think of, you know, particularly in the area of reassurance is what am I afraid of here? And why do I need somebody to tell me that I'm doing okay with this? And of course, basic reassurance is great. I'm not saying that we all, you know, yeah, that we should be so, you know, almost like robotic in the way we approach life. I don't think that's it at all. Um, I think as well, the other one, of course, is that um, perfectionism can lead someone to to give e- equal importance to everything. And that's kind of like the, you know, it's kind of the, the you know, when change or something unexpected um, you know, is a big challenge. Now, obviously, you know, some of us are more flexible than others. That's temperamental, I suppose. But um, I suppose that ability to try to adapt our priorities, depending what comes down the tracks, you know, um, somebody in our you know, friend circle could really need us and we don't have the flexibility to be there for us and to change our plans, you know, um, or you know, little things of finishing something off are really critical for me in something, and that's very good and important. But if it's taking me away from serving the needs of others, then that's more problematic. You mm. know, not having the time in a regular basis just for the normal demands of family, friends can often be a sign of perfectionism. Yeah, you kind of clamp down. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, um, and I think so. I think those are the main the main sort of characteristics of it. I think if you're bringing it to a spiritual level and you're thinking of God's will. Um, So what can happen is it's kind of an avoidance thing, you know. Um, And I think that's where we need to start looking at. You know, sometimes we think of God's will as something that's superimposed on me and it has to be super clear and, you know, and then I'll do it. But otherwise, mm, I'm a little bit sort of dubious or sort of suspicious of God's will. And I think that's where it gives us, I think it's good for us to step back and think about, well, self-awareness, because um, we need a healthy self-awareness so we can know how we respond to God's will. Because it's different for everybody. And, um, you know, that idea, know thyself, but also know yourself through the eyes of others.
0: Because it's not the same for everyone, you know. And yeah. I think that's really, really important. Because and I think that kind of the externals as well can happen with, when you have a tendency for perfectionism, you know, you hang on to the externals of compliance. You know, that as long as I've ticked this box, then everything is okay. But yes. the intention may not be there. Then you get kind of semi-complicated about it, etc., yes. etc. But yeah there's a there's a, there can be an element of creating more rules for yourselves where there's there's actually none yeah well that's know. it, yeah no, I and think then it can be stifling like yes yeah,
1: and it's to know like you know sometimes we panic and we think, oh, maybe I should do this and I should you know we all respond differently mm. to sort of challenge sometimes it's flight sometimes it's fight sometimes it's who not me oh nothing to do with me you know yeah, and and that's then,
0: then there's an element of this kind of you know the typical irish thing unfortunately sorry for putting it in here but you know when they say catholic guilt you oh, know yeah, okay yeah, yeah. so that kind of idea of a misunderstanding of you know, this sense of everything has, you know, I have to be doing what is right. And if I'm not, then I'm beating myself uh, Mm. for not having done it. Mm. And that, to be honest, there is an element of perfectionism perfectionism in that, you know. And that's not like, it's not guilt. Like, it's just, it's a misunderstanding of God's love and his his freedom for you. Mm. Like, freedom is to love. And if you can't experience that freedom, then... Yeah, Yeah, well, it's a bit
1: like the book Job the other day. You know, Job was there and um, he was kind of running away from doing God's will. So he goes out to the desert and God enables a plant, a castor oil plant to spring Mm. up in the middle of the desert. And then the, and Job was delighted with himself, and then it disappeared, <laughs> and Job was really miffed. And God said, "Look at you," He said, "There are thousands of people in I'm Sorry, I'm obviously paraphrasing." And He said, "They would, they don't know the left from the right, which actually is true. He did actually say that. And you're worried about it blowing a blonging castor oil plant giving you shade. It was actually hilarious, but it was that sense of God's humanity. You know, mm. it's kind of like a course, Would you just get your act together, please, and get into the city yeah, and convert overcook. these people? Yeah. So it's not that it's not that God is going to kind of smite us, you know, because you didn't do this." No, I think it's it's a case of just knowing how we respond to challenge, which is totally human and normal, and it's the way we're built, and there's nothing wrong with it. Mm. But at the same time, knowing that... Um, that having a sense of humor about it, yeah. you know, and I think that's so so important. So,
0: and, and I the, also think the idea of like having a spiritual guide in some shape or form, yes, yeah, um, that's very important. really helps because sometimes you can bottle things up in your head that are absolutely massive to your own imagination, and then you externalize them, you speak it out, and somebody said, "Ah, sure, that's not don't be don't be worrying about yeah, that, don't be you beating know. yourself up over that yeah, yeah." And you kind
1: of go, "Okay,
0: yeah, it puts it in context." Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that's very very important, and I think as well the big thing if. Anybody wants. Uh, I had hoped that people might take away from this podcast is that perfectionism is harsh, it's yeah. rigid, and it's very unmerciful. Yeah, you, yeah. And in contrast, God's love and God's will is merciful, loving, and it's a, it's a will of second chances. So if you miss, you don't hear him the first time, don't worry, you might hear him the second. And third, you know, there's always, there's always a chance to roll back, you know. Uh, I think St. Augustine said the only thing that doesn't have a solution is death and your death's solution is life. So I think to have a really open, Catholic spirit on it, that God is love and genuinely he is. I think it's also really nice to consider the whole space of formation. And we've talked about that a lot. You know, the formation is a space of where you know your faith, the doctrine and the content, but it's where you also practice it and practice means you fail and you get up and you try again and it's a space of forgiveness and as you've rightly put it's also a space of guidance and I think it's really important for us to reflect on the idea that formation is transformational but it takes time yeah and a perfectionist doesn't have time whereas God has oodles of time and it's it's a work of imitation and the only model is Christ not us, not anybody else. It's a work of practice. We don't set the goals. God does. And and it's about his life entering ours. And that's it. And I think, um, forgive me if, if this analogy I've used before, this image I've used before, but I just love to see dads with their little kids, you know. And there was a really nice example that I was lucky enough to see over the summer, which was basically um, of a... A dad with his little boy, and um, the little boy was literally on a dune. It was quite a high dune. He was about four, I'd say, this little little guy. And his dad was holding his arms outstretched. And the boy was egging his dad on to literally, dad, and he'd run up the dune, and then he'd say, catch, and dad would catch him. And then he'd do it again and again and again. Now, the interesting thing about this was a whole group of onlookers kind of gasping at the, the height of it little. Little little mite was jumping from, and the fact that Dad caught him each time, and I think that's kind of the idea that um, we need to maybe see God's will, and that from that perspective, that God says jump, and we go, okay, how high, and we know would you be there? You will be there to catch me always, and He will. That's the way God's will works, yeah. Whereas or, ours doesn't work that way. You often, not,
0: you're yeah. gonna be, okay, be devil's
1: advocate if he's advocate. not there to
0: catch you, yeah. Um, yeah, you have the key, sand, yeah. Found, yeah? Is that yeah. was you gonna say, but yeah. don't uh, I suppose the element of uh, going back to that idea of, of fear, you know, oh, yeah, fear of suffering, you know, not, not I suppose, to kind of um. Not to reject the suffering or not to kind of like say, oh my God, this is so scary. There's no possibility of me being able to cope with it. But in reality, that element, that experience of suffering is actually, it's it's there that you're able to develop your Mm. character. If you're pushing it away all the time and clamping yourself Mm. down and creating your little bunker because you're afraid and Mm. you're kind of perfectionist and everything then every emotion will, mm. will become a, a difficulty, mm. you know, and in that sort of sense, the sense of, you know, okay, this is not, this is not going well and I'm, I'm suffering a little bit with this, or suffering a lot even, to, to, to see that as an opportunity of developing a relationship with God, mm. you know?
1: Exactly. I think what you do is you give it over to God in those situations. Mm. You, you lean into it and then, you know, you say, well, the famous line, my, my yoke is easy my burden is light. And we need to really believe that, that... Um, and God does ask a certain purification of us, where we purify our will, we purify our desires, and we see the world differently mm. and it 's not that He takes away the things because but he 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 does it for us, and he does it with us and I think that 's the big message in all of this and I think what the scary piece that you're mentioning there is the fact that god 's will is not a human standard, you know, so often it doesn 't make sense, and it can' seem scary but And what we're trying to do is like that little might sort of root certain behaviors in us that we just get used to kind of, you know, spotting God and all of this. God, where are you in this? Okay, as long as you're there it 'll be fine and and that 's what makes a difference. The difference is God is present and 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 that 's huge, really um, I think as well it 's very helpful to think of Jesus and the Gospels because you know he does say the phrase Be perfect so um that 's confusing that 's yeah. a little bit confusing so what what does he understand by perfect and of course, um I always think of the one of you know where jesus he he cures a man born blind you know and he spits on the ground and He mixes it with some mud and saliva and uh, the whole lot together. And he puts it on the man's eyes. And essentially, he initiates a process. He doesn't do, "Okay, you were blind and now you can see. Um, There's no big miraculous moment there. And the man initially can't see and he sees trees and then he sees Jesus. But I think the important thing there is, is that um, Jesus doesn't say to him, you know, you're perfect now. No more limitations, no more weaknesses, no more anything. He just says to him, follow me. And that's the difference. He doesn't say to us, you know, when we potentially fall and we get up and, you know, we want it all to be gone and we want to be perfect. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says he just wants a relationship with us. You know, so follow me because I love you. Follow me because the aim of our life is to journey with Jesus and in the ups and downs. And if we didn't have limitations and weaknesses, he we probably wouldn't. We'd be far too busy mm. following ourselves, probably. Um, so the aim really of our life is love, and that's the, the I think the essential difference between perfectionism, which is these arbitrary human standards, and and you might say God's will, which is love. God's will is love, and that's messy. And and Scripture shows us again and again that essentially, God's plans are never really clear and they're never all at once. You know, whether you look at Abraham or Moses or Joseph. Um, and we certainly don't like uncertainty. We don't like suffering. We avoid it. and um, We like to be in control and, and we're not okay with failure or mistakes. Um, and I think the thing as well is that a perfectionist approach really feels and judges things in an all or nothing way, you know. So... And we, as you mentioned at the beginning, I think there's a really valid point, is that we see people through that prism. Mm. So sometimes we can be just very harsh on others because we're pretty much harsh on ourselves. So if we have a moment where, you know, maybe somebody has potentially said something quite hurtful, you know, we can either, either, you know, realize, well, I can't really judge that person's intention because I don't actually know it. I don't know for a fact what they intended. We can try to regain perspective maybe bring something back to size and, you know, maybe offer it up and move on. Or the other way, we can interpret about intention, we can demand an apology, we can get resentful and want people or circumstances to be changed instead of potentially embracing the opportunity to grow. And that happens so much in our lives, you know, in all kinds of relationships. So it is, it is a case of being uncomfortable with the process involved there of, and, and it is a kind of, it's been described as an emotional extremism, perfectionism, you know, wanting things done now and done perfectly. Um, and I do think it's, it's um, perfectionism is, being, is uncomfortable with this, the tension between the real me, as in the me now, and the, and the better potential me, which is also real me, but it's a real me in the future. And they're both the real me. And I think in the gap, what we have is God's fatherly love and tender tender love that sustains us. He loves us 100%, you know, struggling and and to be better. We're in his loving hands, you know, when we fall, he picks us up and all of that. But I think it's just that, it's knowing how to love that space of not there yet. And that's yeah. a very Catholic thing, whereas yeah. perfectionists in our modern culture is not happy with that.
0: Yeah, and I think the the element of like when you... I think it's it's a bit like you know perfectionism. If you can, it's literally like a bad habit, like yes. biting your nails. Okay, yeah, it yeah, can yeah. kind of build up over time, mm. and you can get more and more kind of extreme to the level of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger right. doesn't bite his nails, obviously. Maybe I don't know. Um, but the element of when when you see yourself kind of catching on to that perfectionist mm. trait to be able to say to yourself, "Let go." You know, just let go of that that you're hanging on Mm. to, whether it's, you know, that person who's kind of annoying you and you just want to bring them down Mm -hmm. with you or Mm. (laughs) to the ground, you know, like wrestle match. To kind of have that element of just. Yeah, just letting go of different things that you are creating standards, you know, and saying it has to be like this, Mm. you know, this uh, this work has to be like this, or the way I have to be always in the driver's Mm. seat. Literally, I'm the one who always drives the car. I'm the one who always makes the decisions. I'm the one who's no, just let go, let go Mm. of little things like that in order to experience the the possibility of a different outcome Mm. and that it's okay that that happens and it's not according to your desires. Mm. You know, Um, I think bit by bit as that kind of loosens its bond from you, you know, it's helpful then to see uh, how perfectionism has kind of encroached in your life and actually stifled your life. Yeah. And it's
1: also lovely to see how capable you are of doing that. It's such a sense of freedom, you know, of letting go. And I think it's, it's a great courage actually, to be able to do that, to be able to go, I'm just going to let go of this. And and I think step away. And I think that's also zooming. It's really about being open. You know, I think perspective is everything, you know, and I, I suppose it's good also, you know, you've mentioned there are a couple of things of being able to identify them, things that are, you could say self-limiting because they are limiting your yeah, capacity yeah. to reach out to others, to flourish. Um, and It's also, I think, important in that regard to look for others' perspectives, you know, hearing and taking them on, you know, not looking for the sort of protected space. There's a a philosopher, Charles Taylor, um, who wrote this big tome of a book called Secular Age. And I know I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but he's very, very interesting on this. He talks about the fact that we're living in a space now where you have a choice between what he calls the buffered self or the porous self, and the buffered self is a person, the perfectionist, really, in many ways, who protects themselves from risks, from dangers. Well, the dangers are okay, but risks or suffering in any way and can't explain to themselves things like suffering and um, things going wrong and the gap between the real me and the potentially better me. Um, they can't inhabit that space freely. Whereas the poorest person or poorest self is someone who. Is 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 wouldn't say totally comfortable risk with but will step into risk, is trying to find meaning and suffering, doesn't avoid messy situations, is open, so it's porous, like a poor. Mm. And and I think that's very helpful for us to think about that. How porous is my life to change to others, to upsets, to messiness. i not I'm not advocating chaos either, but I think it's a really helpful one. And I think other people can help us to do that because you might say doing God's will isn't the same as doing the right thing. You know, there's a lot of right things that can be done, but they're not necessarily the best thing. You know, you think of when somebody's in need, the right thing might be to do, I need to get that report in on time. But the, but the but the best thing to do would be to attend to that person who's having a difficult moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also helpful for us to have, even phrases like God's will is not the same as achieving success or the best as we see it, you know, it may, it may look like the worst option for us. Um Order is a very important thing, you know, uh, why am I doing this? You know, that you're, you're it, and I think I've kind of unpacked that really already, how you try to grow in different ways, stretch in different ways. Um, but you're always looking for that idea of who am I serving through my work? Um, because sometimes what can happen is our work we max out or things, you know, mm. doing things, as you say, in a particular way we max out on. Yeah. Whereas, and you put
0: the thing first before the
1: person. Yeah, projects before people, yeah. you know, and work is never an end in itself. It's it's a bond in how we serve people, ultimately. And that's something really helpful for us to reflect on. Focusing on opportunities, I think, is a really good thing to do because sometimes a perfectionist, even when they're looking at, oh, I don't do that well, or I'm overarching here, or I'm perfectionist there, is try to see those things as opportunities as opposed to negative goals, you know, Um not trying to stamp out the negative in yourself. You know, maybe you really do have a really high standard at work. So how can you, you know, create the
0: multiplier effect in your workplace mm. and share that with others in your workplace? Yeah, you I know? love that line of just, you know, don't work harder, work smarter. You know, some yeah. people really max out sorry, <laughs> on things. <laughs> this, you know, this is a big a, bit of a... This so for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but people, yeah, they, they kind of like they they go full throttle because they think working hard is actually working hard, hard, you know, and then you're kind of looking at them thinking, you know, if you just worked a little bit smarter at it, you know, mm. and it's not being kind of like lazy. It's not being lazy. It's just engaging brain in, in it a little bit, you know, mm. um, and also it, 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 when you do that, I suppose you've you've less time for actually doing the thing and you've more time for people mm. you know I also think that the element of um listening is a really good uh, antidote to perfectionism, mm. you know to to be able to kind of listen is always opportunity and is always kind of open-ended possibility. and the perfectionist, hates that, I think. You well, know, you try to close it down as quickly yeah, as Yeah, you starts. kind of go, oof, you know. So, you know, the, the sense of just kind of being open to that sense of, okay, what is this person saying to me? As opposed to, what are the standards that I have to adhere to in order to get this done? And just, mm. I'm, I'm running through the motion of having to listen to this person, but really I'm not, mm. you yeah. know.
1: Yeah, and I think well you you can see a lot of mums of small children, like it's just incredible patience all the time, you know. And, and, and you know, they come from school and they have such a long story that has no end. Yeah, it's really impressive, you know, to watch them and they're like, oh really? And then did she say this or whatever? And I'm sure it can be trying sometimes, sometimes to go, Okay, can we just get you get your shoes on? Can we get your sock? Can you get out the door? Yeah, okay, Daddy's waiting. So um I think they have a lot to teach us, but yeah, I think you're right. And I think the thing about um yeah other people seeing them as an opportunity, which isn't some people are really great at being able to give people their full attention and yeah, move on some people are brilliant and it's a art. real art mm-hmm. and it's it's lovely um and I think it's something we can all try and you know endeavor to do better, you know not just having the the physical capacity to hear but to actually listen to what somebody's telling us um I think as well it's good to think that um another very nice thing is how curious are we about things you know do we spend time in investigating things that have absolutely no real need or value. You know, people yeah. who know random stuff, I always find them the most relaxing people to be with. You know, they're into yeah. butterflies or bees, and they can yeah, tell you all about it. people who do
0: things that have no out- like no specific outcome. I'm sorry, you know, you're kind of going...
1: Yeah, like they're not doing this kind of, you know, amazing... Well, I know lots of people do amazing spin classes, but which are great, but I mean, yeah, exactly. That They do stuff that there's no really tangible outcome for their work or for anything else. I just think they're awesome. You know, the thing is, they teach us how to kick back and enjoy. Mm-hmm. So Um, Anyway, those are a couple of ideas. I think in the Catholic space also, it's helpful to realize how much help we have in all of this. You know, there's things like prayer, you know, prayer is you're getting God's perspective on yourself. I think that's actually a very, very important space to actually reclaim. You can truly encounter God's will there and embrace it and all this insecurity that's involved there. Um, The Eucharist, you know, you're touching God um, and... And also, and I think obviously other people, as, as as we talked about, and clearly spiritual guidance is a great way to sort of objectify our own situations. Um, there's a really nice quote that I like. Um, it's one of Cardinal Ratzinger, and he says, "Only a love that's almighty can ground a joy that is free from anxiety." And you know, and mm. so a joy that's a love that's almighty. In other words, God's love is so powerful that it gives us that joy that's just like that, you know, that, that childish laughter mm. that's kind of throw your head back, laugh. And I think we lose it as adults because we have so many things that browsers open our worries. Whereas God's, I basically think it's, you know, trying to reclaim and call for ourselves. You know, we have a right to God's love because we're his children. And to, to, to demand that love, you know, God, I need your love for this situation because I'm just worked up over it and I'm anxious about it. And I just think that helps us to have that childish laughter. Hmm.
0: it's lovely to end with that okay thank you so much uh, everyone for listening and if there's any suggestions with regards future podcast episodes please let us know we're delighted to do them